Hi listeners, I'm Arun, an intern at Aron Global Foundation and we are back again with yet another episode of Mental Health Matters with Dr. Aisha, an integrative psychologist in the United States. Hey everyone, I am Anvesha, an intern at Anon Global Foundation and we are so excited to welcome you back and gather some more tips from you, ma'am. So, how are you today? I am doing well. I'm so excited to be here with both of you. I, I'm really excited about this topic and I just love that you're bringing awareness to it. So, thank you for having me. Thank you, ma'am. Mom, so the other day I was thinking about how we tend to create different types of relationships at different stages of our life and how they affect us. At my age, I think it is crucial because this is the stage where we first start developing romantic feelings for others. Do you think that we should validate and express these feelings or keep them to ourselves? Because I am in constant dilemma about the same. Also, do you think this is an important experience? Absolutely. So again, love the topic, Autumn. Love that you're asking this question because just imagine how many people are having the same dilemma, right? I have all these feelings, you know, there's all these hormones, all these changes in the body and romantic feelings, feelings of intimacy, all these things are showing up. And yet we don't know what to do with them. Because if you think about what is the most important thing that gives us really real happiness or well-being in life, it is always the number one thing is the quality of our relationships. And yet we have very little training. We have very little knowledge about real relationships and how to move into relationships, what to do with them, what to do with these feelings. So I think today will be a great opportunity for all of us to become honest and clear and hopefully get some, you know, real insight into this topic. So to answer your question, yes, your feelings are real. Your feelings are valid. They're there for a reason because you're growing and changing and we are all hardwired for connection. It's in our DNA to love and be loved. So I definitely want you to validate these feelings. I definitely want you to be curious and explore them because they are going to be the, the feelings that will lead you into emotional, physical, even spiritual well-being in your life. With whatever you said, I feel like acceptance is the first step for, you know, starting a relationship for any team. So obviously, it is a time where our most important task is to study. So according to you, what is the best way that we can balance a relationship and studies simultaneously without you know letting one overpower the other? Yeah, great question. Because what we are going to also talk about a little bit today that I want to share is the importance of healthy relationships. Now, we we don't really think about, you know, none of us go into relationships thinking they're unhealthy. None of us go into abusive relationships because they don't look abusive or unhealthy on the onset. You know, we wouldn't be in them if they look that way. But there are these telltale signs. You'll start to see these red, excuse me, these red flags of unhealthy relationships. And one of them is exactly what you just said. It's balance. So if you think of, just imagine a healthy friendship that you have with a really good friend and you tell this friend, you know, 
um, I'd love to hang out tonight, but I can't, I have to study. What would that supportive, loving friend say? Oh, I completely understand your studies are important. I know you want to get a good grade. I know that's important to your, they may not say all that, but that's what they're going to support you with. So same thing with relationships. The one thing we're going to look at is we're going to look at, is there balance in the relationship? Which basically means before you entered the relationship, you had a life that included studies, extracurricular activities, sports, music, time with your family, time with friends, um, maybe your alone time, all of that was there. And if you get into a relationship and then all those things are gone because now this person only wants you to spend time with them, then you're not really being authentic and true to yourself. So I would say the way that you're going to remember balance in your relationship is that you're not going to change your life that drastically. You're going to remain the person that you are. And even though you might have this exciting new partner and this exciting new relationship, you're still going to say, hey, remember who I am. I still have friends and family and sports and music and all those things that made me me, including my studies, are still going to be a part of my life completely agree with you ma'am this is something very true like um it is very important as there are many types of relationships and obviously there are a lot of factors that affect the relationship like when you enter a relationship or you might get taunts from your friends like uh and then obviously when you are trying to enter a relationship factors like Time devote karna padega. Should I do this or not? But speaking of one of the most common types of problems or a big elephant kind of a thing in the relationship mm -hmm. problem, sometimes we start having feelings for someone, but the one we have it for doesn't reciprocate the same. And often it leads to depression and we start questioning ourselves or we try to find faults in ourselves like, and all that stuff. So why do you think one such things happens and how to deal with such a situation? Absolutely. So again, relationships are so good for us because they teach us all of these things that we're talking about. You know, you wouldn't go and play a tennis match, you know, at a championship level, unless you had practice, unless you daily put in some practice and learned and learned how to fail, learned how to learn how to cope with disappointment, learned how to get better, learned how to improve. But somehow we expect to have no practice, no experience and excel at relationships. So it's very unrealistic. So we want to go into relationships thinking all emotions are valid. It is not just gonna be love and excitement. There's also gonna be disappointment. There's also gonna be heartbreak. There's also gonna be sadness. So we have a full range of emotions. We wanna start by expecting that. And then secondly, what you said, you know, those core beliefs, we call them core beliefs that we have these automatic thoughts, which are like, I'm not good enough, or something's wrong with me, or, you know, I'm not worthy. Well, these core beliefs create these automatic thoughts, like So when we start questioning those core beliefs and say, where did these come from? How did I develop this feeling that I am not good enough or I'm not worthy? Because inherently we're all worthy. Inherently we're all valuable. 
but it's these disappointments. It's this, 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 you know, experiences we have in life that make us question that. So I would get curious about that too, and question, where did this belief come from? And then secondly, realize that so much of our behavior comes from our subconscious mind. So 88% of our behavior, so our habits come from the subconscious mind. And you know, when you were little, you did not have the ability to say, no, thank you. I don't agree with you. You are wide open as a child. So everything went into your subconscious, even some good things and maybe some bad things, maybe some things that were actually not that healthy for you. Now you can say, no, if I say something, you could say, no, actually, ma'am, I don't agree with you. I do not believe you. And you can do that now. But when you were a child, you will, everything was coming into you. So that's why we start questioning and saying, huh, I'm going to look at some of my patterns and my behavior. This is not my conscious mind. This has got to be a deeper subconscious belief that I've created over time. And now I can challenge it. Now I can look at its validity and say, no, this doesn't make sense to me anymore. And I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to question that core belief. Because once you start questioning your thoughts, once you start questioning your beliefs, what you'll find is that there'll be some freedom there. You'll realize, oh, this is just a pattern. This is not reality. Correctly said, ma'am. Um, yeah, there is a lot of a range of emotions that are attached with a relationship or something like that. And yeah, I'll agree to that also. Uh, that are be experience behavioral changes and all that. But speaking of behavior, it reminds me of one of my friends who found a girl extremely attractive and to who her he totally changed his whole personality, whole re regime, his life routine, everything according to her interest. Eventually, they did end up dating. But what I wonder, was it really worth it? Changing oneself just so the other person likes you. Is it something you should do? Because it takes a lot of efforts and a lot of sacrifices as well. So what does it really matter? Hmm. Great question, Autumn. I think this is not just in teen relationships, but in all relationships. This is going to be the most imperative question. So... Again, we're going to go back to childhood for a little bit. When you were a child, when we were all children, we had two basic survival needs. One survival need is for attachment, for love, connection. Without attachment, you could not survive. You couldn't, honestly, couldn't survive as a child. You needed, you know, we are such uh, helpless creatures more than any other species in the world, right? As, as, uh, as uh, human beings, we need our parents and our caregivers longer than any other species. So when we are babies, when we're infants, we're helpless, we need our caregivers for us to survive. Eventually, we realize that attachment really is important, whether it be with our parents, whether it be with our friends, whether it be with our romantic relationships, we crave attachment, we crave love. That's one survival need. The other survival need is authenticity. You have to be real and authentic and you have to know yourself internally. Now, why is that important? Because if you have a gut feeling and you don't listen to it, that could be very dangerous. You could actually get harmed or even hurt really badly if you don't listen to your gut feelings. So what happens is we have these gut internal feelings and you'll feel them in the body when you're not comfortable, when something is too much, somebody is too much, maybe in a relationship, if the intensity might be too much, 
It might be moving too quickly. You might be asked to do things you don't feel comfortable doing. You might be doing it because others are doing it. Well, that's not being authentic and listening to yourself. But here's the problem. Almost all of us sacrifice our authenticity for connection and attachment. So that's the example that you're giving me. So that's what's going to happen in relationships. We have to find that balance. So the number one way that we can do it is anytime we start losing, and you'll hear this, people will say this, I lost myself in the relationship. I became everything for the other person. I lost myself. And then that leads to feeling bad about ourselves, feeling guilty or shameful or inadequate in some ways. But if we can remember that staying in touch with my core inner guidance, with that gut feeling, that's going to prevent me from changing for anybody in a relationship. And that's not just changing in a relationship. That could also be any time that I am doing something I don't feel comfortable doing. I can get in touch with that gut feeling and say, this is what the courageous part. No, that doesn't feel right for me. That That's, that's not going to you know, be okay for me. And what will happen is you may not be able to sustain relationships with everyone. But through a process of elimination, you will be able to eliminate the relationships that are not real and sincere with people that are not actually truly loving and kind. Because really, a, a partner that loves you and supports you, they want you. They want the authentic, real you. In fact, that's usually the person they fell in love with is you. But then we change and change and let go of everything they fell in love with, become a different person, and then lose ourselves along the way. So I would say, wait, wait for the person that sees you for who you are, and encourages you to be more of yourself, because they saw something in you that's real, and they love that. Um, yeah, so ma'am, uh, absolutely, gut feeling is one of the most important factors in a relationship. And I personally believe gut feeling is developed over some past accounts or some kind of, you know, media or thing you have watched. And obviously one of the most, uh, when you think of romance or romantic as a genre, uh, one of the most important thing that strikes me is movies or songs. And um, sometimes there are many different types of movies or many different types of songs. And every movie or, you know, make it Bollywood. Agar Bollywood so, it's there. so they <laughs> gave, give us a complete wrong impression or a total different impression and then we replicate karne ke mein, you know we create more problems mm -hmm. for ourselves so how do you think one should not get affected by these but also at the same time you know because you're watching a movie obviously you have want to have fun so how do you go about that yeah, what a great question. So I grew up on Hindi films, Bollywood movies, and I really did think that is love and that is relationships. I thought college meant wear the best you know, outfit and, and, and all the boys will come behind you and we will have a big dance. That's what I thought life was. And I realize now, you know, like in the movies, you know, I'll die for you. It's like, like support me, right? Like, listen to me. These are such basic fundamental things. Again, we go back to what is healthy and what is unhealthy in a relationship. And oftentimes what I'll notice is I'll ask people, tell me about your relationship. And they'll say, 
very, very high highs and very low lows, right? Like excitement and passion and this incredible, just, you know, adrenaline. And then there's depression and, you know, all these thoughts of not wanting to be here. And it's very, very similar to addiction. Because what is addiction? Addiction is high highs and low lows. So if I'll say to someone, what does it relate? What does this look like? This is your relationship. What does it look like? And they will say this one word, boring. This is boring. So what we consider secure relationships are considered boring in the media and boring in films. Because what we are used to seeing is addictive behaviors, which really create, and you know, we, we really have to talk about this, is that one in every three women will experience violence in a relationship. One in every four men will experience violence in a relationship, whether it be verbal or mental or emotional or physical. So when we don't, again, listen to our gut, when we say, because we saw in the films, we saw in the movies, we hear in these songs, these dialogues, and these, this, even these lyrics that are obsessive, uh, extreme jealousy, um, extreme possession, you know, extreme um, uh, intensity of emotion, isolation, so then we start seeing, well, the, these are not healthy habits. Again, we'll go back to the, the experience of a friend. A loving, supportive friend will always want the best for you, will want to see the best version of you, will always uplift you, not bring you down. So when we start seeing if the intensity is too much in a relationship, especially too quickly, if there's too much isolation in a relationship where it's like, you know, no longer able to be with your friends or able to be with your family or able to do your own interest. And you'll hear manipulative things like, if you really loved me, you wouldn't do that. You'd be with me. So we start seeing manipulative behaviors. And these are all red flags for abusive or unhealthy relationships that we see in mainstream media all the time uh, under the, the the guise of love. And, and we really have to start separating what is obsession, what is um, adrenaline, and what is actual real love. Yeah. Ma'am, I completely agree with whatever you said. I think the day we stop glorifying such toxic behaviors in the media and i'm actually happy that a lot of recent bollywood and hollywood films have stopped glorifying such stock toxic behaviors like stalking or you know or just you know texting or calling like a maniac that is the day i think teens in particular will start glorifying such relationships and have unrealistic expectations for the same as we were talking about the you know the cliche bollywood things where boy approaches girl, girl rejects the guy, story, then it moves forward, right? So it happened with one of my female friends. She happened to like someone and on the contrary, she got rejected. This was a surprising because I wasn't in all girls and we were not, you know, habitual to seeing girls being rejected. It was like a, an eye-opener for us. She got, you know, as expected, she got very sad and had that entire channa meria phase listening to sad mm -hmm. songs and all. <laughs> but now, even if she likes someone, she buries those feelings because of said experiences. And mm -hmm. I don't like her seeing that way. So as a friend, how can I help her feel more confident and, you know, at least be true to herself and her feelings? Yeah, great question. Um, again, we don't get a lot of 
guidance or any kind of teaching around our emotional regulation or coping skills or how to self-soothe. What we are taught, or I'll speak for myself, what I was taught was don't feel. So even if I started to cry, my mother would bring me a glass of water, some tissues. She would say, So she didn't know. So no, no blame on parents. They, they are, they're doing their best. They, they do what they know. But this is what research tells us. Women who experience heartbreak actually feel it physically and emotionally more than men. So they actually have more pain than men do physically and emotionally. However, they are able to deal with it and come out of it more fully and have healthier relationships afterwards. Men, on the contrary, may not experience it as painfully as women, but they don't get over it. So what does that tell us? Women, so women or men, it doesn't really matter, who take the time to feel their feelings who actually go into the emotional experience and feel what they're feeling, have a higher chance of recovering and of feeling better and able and having the ability to actually move forward. So people who don't fully experience. So let's talk a little bit about gender and why that would happen. Women have more permission, I think, in any culture for us to feel more feelings, to be more sad, to express our emotions. Men are only given permission to experience one emotion and it's anger. That's all they're ever allowed. If they start experiencing any other emotion, they're called derogatory names, they're put down, they're called sissy or they're called all kinds of derogatory things. So we need to, if we're sad, we need to not avoid our emotional experience. So here's how we avoid. We numb, we use, we drink, we drug, we um, get into other relationships too quickly. We pretend that we're okay and minimize our emotions. We distract ourselves. We get really busy with school and work and not feel our emotions. And what happens? We suppress them and they stay with us for years instead of perhaps weeks or months if we actually felt them. So the quick solution for me would be if you're sad, cry into a pillow, sob, let those feelings out. Tears basically means it's important. Whatever you're feeling is important. That's what tears symbolize to me. Um, if you're angry, you know, go out into a field or a park somewhere and scream as loud as you can, because when dealt with in a supportive or at least in a healthy way, emotions will leave us. Um, as long as you're not harming yourself or harming others, when you don't feel your feelings, they'll stay within you. And the way that you'll know the difference is whenever you leave the body and go into the mind, meaning you won't feel it, you'll start thinking about it. Then you'll start ruminating. That's not feeling the feeling. Go back into your body, go back into that emotional state, feel the feelings and they will leave you because all feelings are temporary. And by temporary, I mean, they have a beginning, they have a middle, they have an end. All storms are temporary. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So all these emotions that we're so afraid of feeling, if we fully feel them, they will leave us. And I, I have proof. Remember when you were happy, or if you experienced joy or experienced love, you felt it and it's gone. It, it, it left because it was fully felt. And so the same thing with what we would call painful or what we consider negative emotions, feel them, 
they will leave you and then there'll be a sense of you know uh, like a cathartic relief and then you can actually move on and have more healthy experiences Mom, I completely agree with whatever you said. Validating your own feelings, like I said earlier, is one of the most important steps. Be it a breakup or accepting the fact that you have a crush on somebody, right? So in the previous incident, uh, I thought of telling my friend's mother to help her overcome this fear of rejection or whatever she was feeling that way, whatever her feelings were. But being from an Indian household, sabke parents dating ke mamle mein bilkul chill nahi hota right so why do you think it is the way and how can we change this hmm great question so actually i was watching something on youtube and it was an, about our culture and about a young girl who um you know was talking to her friend and said one of like a crush uh, asked her out on a date and she was so excited and so her friend says what are you going to say ghar mein kya batayegi she goes oh don't worry yaar i'll just la- tell mummy ki i'm going to uh or something. And of course, when I saw that, I recognized that in myself. I'm sure I did that, you know, with my mom. Um, but what it made me think about was how easy it is for us to lie the first time. The first lie is always the easiest, but then keeping up that lie is hard. The first truth is always the hardest, but then every truth gets easier after that. So when we were talking earlier about that gut feeling, staying true to yourself, these conversations are difficult to have. They're not easy at all. But when we lie, when we don't, when we deceive our parents, when we don't tell them what's really going on, that's when we're not listening to our inner sense. Because what what are you going to experience eventually? Guilt, hiding, regret. uh scared he don't have support so i agree with you completely not every family is open to that but again we're going further and further away from what our body is telling us what the signal is so later on in the video i hear the mother the mother finds out that the daughter's having uh has a boyfriend the boyfriend broke up with her and the mother approaches the daughter and says to her i know about your boyfriend i know about this thing and i was thinking oh this is amazing the mom's going to talk to her about emotions the mom says main tumhe pehle hi kaha tha ye tumhari umar nahi hai relationships ki ye tumhari umar hai padhne ki and i thought oh my goodness so she completely blew the opportunity because it's not about ye umar nahi hai padhai ki umar nahi hai relationships ki padhai ki what i think a mother should be saying is let me teach you about relationships let me teach you about emotional regulation and self soothing and disappointment and highs and lows and all the things that come with relationships because this is a normal part of your life and a normal part of what you're experiencing so i think it really comes both ways do we have the courage to stay in integrity with ourselves and speak the truth because if we're not going to be honest with our parents we're not going to be honest with our partners we're not going to be honest with our children we you know it it just it just keeps snowballing because we lose integrity with ourselves so i would say where do we start with saying mom or dad i know this may not be what you want to hear but i want an open and honest relationship with you it's more important to me that we are honest because whatever you're creating this strictness this you know is ghar mein ye nahi hoga it will create me to deceive you 
and to eventually deceive and, and be not in touch with a really important part of myself. Surely, ma'am, the previous part where you said that you had to lie to your parents and go outside was surely very relatable. And I am doing it since a very long time. But yeah, I plan to improve on it, as you said, as <laughs> I should. Uh, but yeah, so speaking of this only, uh, my friend was once dating this girl and unka bhi sab sahi ja tha. they had their own honeymoon phase. But after loads of introspection and months later, they also decided to break up mutually, of course. Uh, but I remember he used to confide in me that he used to feel more affected than he thought he would be after the breakup. It mm -hmm. took him time to recover from it. Coffee friendships have the effect we. So how do you think one should deal with so-called healthy breakups if something like that exists? Yeah, so healthy breakups, what a great topic. You know, it used to be back in the day in our time that if you broke up with somebody, it was easier to avoid them because that's the one thing we say about breakups is that we don't want to get in that emotional roller coaster. You all have friends that will be with somebody, break up, get back together, break up, get back together. You've seen that, right? Where there's just this emotional roller coaster and it starts becoming very unhealthy because there's a lot of love bombing. There's a lot of Main ye karunga, wo karunga, empty promises. They get back together. They never resolve the actual conflict. They never listen to each other. There's not very healthy dynamics. And where do they learn that from? Probably from watching their family members or their parents not having any real conflict resolution, not knowing how to listen to the partner, not to respond, but to actually hear what the partner is saying. So because they don't have healthy, you know, tools, they'll do this kind of going back and forth, back and forth. So the first thing for a healthy breakup really is to cut all ties and to say, okay, if this is not working and, and to have that realistic expectation that, you know, when we break up, we'll say things like, oh my God, we were so perfect for each other. It's like, no, you weren't. If you were perfect for each other, you would still be together. So the reality is you're not perfect for each other. That doesn't mean you can't learn and grow. That doesn't mean you can't get better at whatever that issue was, but perhaps in the relationship, it's not working. It becomes toxic or it becomes unhealthy to a level that's not good for anyone. So the first thing would be to separate. Now, because like I said, back in our day, separation was easy. You just wouldn't answer the phone or you would, you know, you know, disconnect from talking to them. But today with social media, you could break up with somebody and continue to follow them on Instagram or, or on TikTok or whatever social platform you're, you're on. So they're still consistently in your life. And because they're in your life, energetically, they're still occupying that space in your heart and in your head. So I would say I would start off with really energetically, physically, emotionally, trying your very best to disconnect from them and then really work on your own healing. Um, because without that, without working on your own stuff, try to avoid things like blaming them, finding fault in them, criticizing them, gossiping about them, talking, you know, about them again, energetically, they're, they're taking up all your space. You might as well just be with them. You haven't really broken up if you're still continuing to engage in all these stories about them. So taking time to heal for yourself figuring out what went wrong. The, here's the big question that I never really asked myself. If I break up with somebody, it's their fault. 
all the blame is on them. You know, we can find lots of people that will validate us. So I can find a friend and I can say, this guy was terrible. And I'll find five girlfriends who will tell me he's terrible. You're amazing. But that's not honest. And that's not real. So instead, what we do is we get really honest with ourselves and say, how did I participate in some of these behaviors? How did I participate in this relationship not working out? Was I defensive? Was I angry? Was I emotional to the point where I couldn't clearly see my own blind spots? And then self-love, you know, is not just about being kind and compassionate to yourself. Self-love is being brutally honest with yourself and saying, where do I learn? Where do I improve? I want to grow. And I, this relationship taught me something. It was an invaluable lesson. And if I don't get the lesson, I'll just be left with hurt and resentment. So we take some of the good, we take the lessons we learned, we, we really wish them well, we bless them for whatever they, role they played in our life for us to get to where we are now and where we're moving in the future. And we take it as an opportunity to, to do better next time. Ma'am, the part where you said about self-acceptance, where we have to be true to ourselves is something I completely live by. At the end, all we have, you know, not our parents, our friends, at the end, hai to hum apne le rahe. So if we yeah. cannot be honest to ourselves, then what's the point, right? Exactly. So, but I, Aurum, I have a question for you. Don't you think the word breakup is very negative? Like, tere incident mein jo friend tha, they broke up, but they still felt hurt, right? So, ma'am, why do you think it is this way? Like, ek insaan se aap intentionally distance maintain karne ke baad bhi, why do you have a tendency to care about them? And sometimes the feelings resurface. So why do you think there is this tendency of rebounding or getting back together with the same person when you know they're not right for you? Well, there, there's a lot of different ideas about that. But the one that resonates the most with me is this. Innately, intuitively, unconsciously, we are always trying to heal. The body always wants to come back to healing. The mind, the you know, psyche, we are always trying to heal. Now, how would we heal? by finding the perfect partner? No, by actually bringing back that same person into your life. Now, notice the people that you bring into your life. Oftentimes, they will resemble someone in your life that you already have conflict with, which might just be one of your parents. So you'll, you'll, you'll see that you'll see people and you don't do it again, consciously, you don't even do it uh, with this intention. But I'll give you a really quick example. So let's say somebody is growing up and for whatever reason, let's say dad is missing in her life, right? And it could be real or imagined because, you know, a, a dad, a father could be in your life his entire life. That doesn't mean he was there for you the way that you needed him to be. So a lot of times, let's say, for example, give an example of a woman, she could feel that she was raised by an emotionally unavailable father. He was there, but he wasn't, you know, he's the first man in her life. And if the first man in your life doesn't tell you that you're smart or you're beautiful or you're capable, you don't get that. You don't hear that. You don't get the emotional connection. You don't get the safety. You don't get the, I've got your back. I'm here for you. I will fight for the world for you. If you don't get that foundation from, let's say, a dad. And he's emotionally absent. And it could be because he's not there physically. It could be divorced. It could be death. Or it could just be he lived in the home, but he wasn't emotionally available the way that you needed. And, and I love what you're saying because you're saying, you know, your feelings are valid, right? Your, your 
validating your experience, not what your mom says, not what your sister says, not what the neighbors say, but your own experience. Let's say he's absent. Chances are you might bring into someone into your life that's going to be the same way. In the beginning, this person might look great. And then eventually they start invalidating your emotional experience. They're not emotionally available. They have a wall up. They're not fully present. They're not, you know, giving you that support or that kind of foundation of I've got your back. I love you. You know, you're smart, you're capable, you're competent. In fact, they might be undermining you. They might be telling you, hmm, you need to change. You need to be better. You're not so good at this. They might be laughing at your expense or putting you down. Or, or they may just not be there for you emotionally. So what's going on here? You've actually brought somebody back into your life, a wound that was created in childhood. And you will not heal that wound by bringing in a perfect partner who's available. You will heal it by bringing in the same kind of person who your hope will be that he will at some point realize, look what I'm doing to you. I'm not being supportive and kind. And he will turn around. He will change his behavior. He will become the kind of person you want, therefore healing that childhood wound that you got from dad. And so we play this out in relationships all the time. We just do it unconsciously over and over and over again. We keep going back to unhealthy people. We go back to people who hurt us to heal us not realizing that this person has no capacity to heal me. They can only hurt me. They, that's all they've ever shown me. So we start getting clear. Well, once we see it, it's like a light switch goes on. Once we see it and we see the pattern and we say, oh, I'm bringing somebody back into my life. And, and here's the opposite. There's men who will say to me, um, I, there's a woman in my life and she's very clingy and she's very needy and she won't stop calling me and she's just always on my case. And I'll ask them, well, what was your mom like? Oh, my mom was, you know, she gave me no autonomy, no independence. My mom was always on my case, always telling me what to do. So again, we bring in these partners from previous experiences, hoping that they will fix the wound that was created in childhood. And it's up to us to, to realize it and then say, okay, so this happened. Now I'm, I'm, I'm older. I have these experiences and I can change my experience. I don't have to keep reliving this nightmare over and over again. I, I don't know. I hope that answers your question. It does. Uh, completely right, ma'am. Rightly said, I'll surely try to implement your valuable inputs. To end today's conversation, I'd like to quote something to sum up everything for my peers of my age and everyone else. It's from one of my favorite movies, Rockstar, Bollywood Strikes Again. Uh, and I think that surely sums up everything. Um, I think this podcast would really help a lot of people of our age understand and hear a lot of stuff. Thank you so much, ma'am. With every conversation, we learn so much from you. And that's why we enjoy each interaction with you. Thank you, ma'am, for joining us. Do you have any closing words for our listeners? I, I do want to say thank you to both of you. These are not comfortable um, conversations to have. So I, I, I love that you always have groundbreaking topics. I love that you're talking about things that are not always comfortable, that are sometimes even controversial. But I love that you bring so much presence and mindfulness and the ability to spread awareness about them. So thank you so much for always for, for just the, the topics and the ways that you present them. Thank you.
And with this, we come to the end of the episode Kane Relationships, Mental Health Matters with Dr. Aisha Saneja. If you, our dear listeners, would like us to talk about a certain topic and if you would like Dr. Aisha to answer some specific questions, please DM them to us on our official Instagram or LinkedIn pages at Anon Global Foundation. We would love to take them up in our upcoming episodes. So thank you and see you again.